was that was that their marketing plan their marketing plan was to present things in a very bright and colorful and interesting way but not to tell you what it was or was it just luck it's marketing it's marketing plan marketing uh-huh what was what's IBM's main business now basically uh, yeah, it doesn't mean anything when people 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 say business right a lot of i ha- i have a lot of young students i ask them well what does your dad do and my dad's a businessman i'm like well that doesn't mean anything to me yeah and people say you know what does he do is he sell cars does he does he give presentations does he help people so and my question is specifically about ibm because it confuses me a little bit because if i look at traditional companies um Dijkman, for example you mentioned Dijkman. okay you know, there's no question about what Dijkman does right everybody knows what Dijkman does they sell shoes and they probably also they, they might even produce or make shoes or at least they import them or or whatever um <laughs> it's interesting how they can have such big shops and sell such small products. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so w- with Dijkman, it's, it's obvious, and with with some other businesses, it's obvious what people do. If it's Tatra Banka or Allianz Insurance Company, it, it's ob- everybody knows what they do. But you, you say IBM, it's like. Yes, it, it's like, wh- what does Microsoft do? I mean, do they do anything? I mean, they seem to produce one new program every two years. But how do you become the biggest software company in the world, producing only one program every two years, which is free to download? Right? Where, where, where are you making all your money? <laughs> right? Where are you making your money? What are you selling? What are you selling? And who's buying? <laughs> Because all companies need customers. <laughs> customers is how you fund your operation. <laughs> so uh, with, with IBM, there, there's a front, which is the uh, IBM now owns the Lenovo brand. Yeah. So if you see Lenovo computers or tablets or whatever, that, that's IBM. But that's probably less than 1% of their business because that, that's just image so that they can say that we do this. But you take away the Lenovo brand and you ask the question, okay, what does IBM do now? Oh, well, they have a lot of programmers. Okay, what are these programmers doing? What are they do- who are they doing it for? What, are, what, 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 are they, what programs are they writing? What are they making? What data are they collecting? What are they analyzing? Um, and then you get the, the next answer, which is, oh, well, you know, they work with big companies. <laughs> it still doesn't actually tell me what they do. Yeah, it still doesn't. You know, it just say, "Oh, they program." Okay, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting um, because uh, I, I don't think it's clear, and I think it's purposefully not clear, especially as Microsoft is a division of IBM. Although you, you, people are not supposed to know that if you look at the way the companies are set up, Microsoft is a part of IBM. 
Microsoft is a front company for IBM because IBM was so big and so powerful. To, to, uh, how? Okay, question, how? How did they get into that position? It was so powerful in the late 1970s. The American government said, you can't continue like this because you have a complete monopoly on the whole market. And every time somebody comes along with a new product, you buy it. And you buy the company. And nothing gets developed because there's no competition. And so the American government decided to break IBM. They, they forced IBM to form sub-companies in different departments. Which is where we get Microsoft on one side and perhaps Apple on the other. Along with Dell and Hewlett-Packard and other technological companies. What was, what was the other one? That was Apricot as well, computer. It was uh, in the early 1980s. And uh, it's interesting as well. I think there's also a very strong link between IBM and Google as well. Um, if you look at how this, these companies are set up. And then who are they providing services for? Who's paying them and how did they get so big? And you go back in history and you look at where the company started and and where they had businesses and what the com what the computers do and then you eventually get into military technology which is which is basically now just data collection collecting everything on everyone then running algorithms to work out what everyone's going to do next <laughs> is basically what they do not unnecessary not unnecessary collection of data can always be useful uh, but interesting but very very interesting um, anyway Oh yeah, d d d there we go. Right, and and you ask her what she does, and she, oh, I just do this and that, and she doesn't explain anything because she, she doesn't. Didn't exactly know what she exactly do. <laughs> so I know. Yeah. Uh, so so there's there's two sides to that. On one side, who cares, right? If you if you go to work in the morning and you do what you're told to do and you go home in the evening and you get paid for it, who cares? And I respect people's choice to do that. However, there is another side, right? Which, which is, what is... what You're a small part in a big machine. What is the big machine doing? <laughs> Right. What is the big machine doing? Which is um, um, that's how we got to uh, th th that's how we got prison camps in the Second World War. Because everybody argued after the Second World War that nobody knew the prison camps existed. Prisoner of war camps, the concentration camps, the Auschwitz, and, and other places. People argued that they didn't know that these places existed because everybody did their job 
and their job was a small part of the process. And they, they just took people and put them on a train. And they took people off the train and put them on a train somewhere else. And they moved these people here, and they moved these people there, and they moved those people over there. Everybody did what they were told to do, but nobody knew where everybody was going and where, what the end result was. Nobody saw the big picture. And the big picture at the end of the day was uh, we were putting people in prisoner of war camps and <laughs> killing them. Um, and uh, all because everybody was like, well, I'm doing my job. <laughs> and that's it. And, and no one could really explain it. Uh, so, so it's interesting. And this is not unusual in the modern world. This is this is this is this is extremely normal, especially with numbers, especially when you're working with numbers, right? Because oh, I'll take these numbers and put them in this table over here, and then convert them over there, and then move them here, and then send these documents to this people, and provide these reports, and stuff comes in, and you you change it, and you manipulate it, and move it, and, and you send it out again. Um, in the nineteen in the late 1980s, early 1990s, there was a company in California called Enron. It was an energy company. And they had a big, you know, skyscraper office block building. It looked a bit like Europa does, yeah. And um, they had these floors on the, in the building with, with people sitting at computers um, doing data analysis. Right, and the whole thing was not real. The people would get up in the morning. <laughs> this is insane, and they would go to their job, and they would sit in front of the computer, and they would do what they were told to do with the numbers and the figures and the data, and none of it was real. There was, <laughs> there was, there was, there was somebody sitting somewhere else on another floor creating all this data. And all this work for these people, and none of the information was real. And uh, you know, what happened eventually was uh, was that the company became so corrupt that that it and people actually told the truth and said, "Well, look, you know, none of these things are real that the company's doing. <laughs> it's crazy, and uh, it, it it's insane." Which which connects with what I read yesterday, which was. The Bank of Scotland, which is one of the banks I bank with, the Bank of Scotland posted its financial results. Right? The Bank of Scotland, the financial results. You know what they were? Minus seven billion pounds. Minus seven. Do you, do you know? Do you, can, can you even imagine that? Minus seven billion pounds. Now, to put this in perspective, number one, if you or me lost seven billion, right? I mean, first of all, how can you lose seven billion? I mean, it's quite quite a big amount of money to lose, right? Um, can you can you lose it? I mean, uh, that's crazy. Secondly, these companies are f this company is one of the biggest banks in the world, and it's full of experts and highly educated people, lawyers, accountants. You know, the best of the best. You know, the best results, the best people from the best schools all go there and work there. And they lost seven billion pounds. And none of these people working for them know anything about it. I just find that, I mean, this is... 
I'm focusing on negative examples. There are many positive examples as well, obviously, but I'm just foc I'm just focusing on the, the the madness of it. The madness. Like Tesco, like I looked at Tesco was it last year they they lost three billion or something. In one year they 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 lost or was it one or two years ago, they, they lost three billion. And I was amazed at that. I was like, How do you lose three billion? And still exist. And now the bank, and the, the Tesco's job is just to sell stuff. What's the bank's job? The bank's job is to make money, right? Their only thing, the only thing they have to do is make money. Everything they do makes money. And their result, <laughs> the result is the opposite. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. So anyway, um, it's just it's thoughts about big companies. It's just. It's interesting. It's interesting. I like I like technology. I have lots of technology here. I use it. It's quite interesting. And final note: Steve Jobs would not let his children use iPads or iPhones. And I think I think the reason it's not specifically stated the reason. I think the reason is that it rewires the brain so that the brain begins to function in a different way. The, the, the future the future is going to be very interesting. That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, watch for those big companies and, and what it is that they're doing. Um, um, but for sure, you can get good jobs in the big companies. I had a friend who worked for IBM, and she said, basically, I sit in my office and do almost nothing every day. I do two or three hours of work every day and get paid a lot for it. And I said, okay, very happy with that. Okay. Oh, very happy with that. You know, you know <laughs> lots of time for myself. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. It's interesting. Anyway, um, to know what they're doing, you have to be inside the operations and organizations anyway. You can't really see from the outside. Still interesting. But as you said, you made a good point that IBM in Slovakia is a small part of the big thing about what they do. And if you do work for a company like IBM, it does give you then the opportunity to say, okay, I worked for two years for IBM Slovakia. And you go into the company and you say, okay, I want to go to another country now. And you say, okay, like, can I work for IBM? I don't know, somewhere where the weather is nicer. So like, it's nice weather, but <laughs> or somewhere where the language is different, or somewhere where I can have a cultural experience. And one of my friends did that with uh, HP Hewlett Packard in Bratislava. He worked for HP for, I think, two years doing technical work, and then moved to work for HP in Spain. It's very. It, you use it to your advantage, right? <laughs> you can use it to your advantage in that way. <laughs>